You know, Brittany, nothing gives me naked confidence like hitting the gym first thing in the morning. The rush, the endorphins, it just sets the tone for the entire day. Ooh, I like that. Naked confidence. Yeah. It's all about the perfect playlist for me. The right music can uplift my mood instantly. Mm, you know what a close second is for me? What's that? Not stinking. <laughs> That's why I use Lumi Whole Body Deodorant. It's like a secret weapon against odor powered by mandelic acid. Yeah, you're odor-free for up to 72 hours. I love how Lumi tackles every odor concern with natural ingredients, and I appreciate its versatility. I tried it everywhere, from pits to feet. It never disappoints. Plus, it's baking soda-free and pH balanced for safe use. And the fact that it's clinically proven to block odor all day, well, that's a game changer. Definitely. And with Lumi Starter Pack, new customers can get $5 off with code TLC at lumideodorant.com. It's a great deal for a fresh start. Don't miss out on feeling confident everywhere you go. Visit lumideodorant.com and use code TLC for a special discount. That's L-U-M-E deodorant.com. Cheers to confidence with Lumi. I love what you just said. Yeah, and there's a main reason for it. So Ryan's excited. I'm excited. He's like, I'm so glad that you fail. <laughs> I'm not glad that you fail. I'm glad that you're human and I, that you're okay with being human. I get that. I'm but just, I don't want to talk too much about it because I'm razzing it's on impactful. You. You're listening to the Laughing Couple Podcast with your hosts, Brittany and Ryan Ostafi. Join them weekly as they discuss topics such as relationships, kids, sex, parenting, all unfiltered, and all with a healthy dose of laughter. Please welcome your hosts, Brittany and Ryan Ostafi. Today, we have somebody who I'm like, we've been so excited to talk to. We have Vanessa LaPointe, and I actually met Vanessa. It was like, last please don't forget the DR. What? Dr. Vanessa LaPointe. I'm sorry. It's like Dr. So Evil. Sorry. Dr. Evil. I didn't go to evil school for four oh years God. to be called to be called Mr. Vanessa, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're, fabulous. We're great. Vanessa and I met at um, an event like a month, two months. I honestly can't tell time. I mm-hmm. can't tell time. Nope. <laughs> we cannot. We can no longer tell time here. The minute that I was like talking to you, I was like... I want to talk to her more. Like, you know, when you just like connect with somebody, I felt that with you. And I was like, I'm going to be so creepy. I'm going to message her on Instagram. (laughs) I loved it. (laughs) You are so lovely. Okay. So what we're going to do is, um, before we get into the good stuff, could you just give our listeners just a quick edification, who you are, what you do, and then we'll get into all of our burning questions. Tons of them. Sure. (laughs) Uh, so I am a registered psychologist Um, I work with primarily parents, uh, usually around, you know, challenging behaviors and sometimes mental health issues with their kiddos from Mm -hmm. infant on up to young adult. Um, And outside of all of that, I'm also a mom and, you know, humbly with every perfectly dyed gray hair on my head, (laughs) attempt to walk my talk on a daily basis. And sometimes I land and sometimes I mess it up horribly i love that i'm going to talk about that in a second because we're going to get through the i love you and your annoying part of this but i i love what you just said yeah, and there's a main reason for it so ryan's excited i'm excited he's like i'm so glad that you fail <laughs> i'm not glad that you fail i'm glad that you're human and I, that you're okay with being human, i get that I'm but just, i don't want to talk too much about it because i'm razzing it's on impactful you. okay let's get to 
what is, you know, I, I literally just described this to you, but can you give us some one thing that your partner does that just absolutely drives you bonkers? So I am married second time around mm-hmm. to the loveliest human in the land. I will preface this with that. Right. I am the kind of person that doesn't really sit still. Like, so I, I like to be moving and going and doing. Yeah. Um, and David, bless his soul, <laughs> is one of the most inert humans that you have ever met. Right. Like he, he likes to say that he does nothing and he does it very well. <laughs> wow. And, in, and it actually makes me mental. The idea of like sitting in one spot and it's not an hour. Yes. It could be 12 hours. Right. It's a lot. You are describing my father. Yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> he is. And he's so proud of it, too. My dad, my dad is like, wow, how's a busy day? What, what did, did you, you do? do? <laughs> right? Right? There's no shame. There's no shame. No. Well, he says it. He says it. He does it better than anybody. I feel like I think I So get... what's annoying for you is like a proud thing for him. Yeah. And he, he's like, I do it very well. Like, I'm just, like, at one with my body and my mind and my life, and I can just sit still. Like, that's his thing. David? It's David? David. David is my kind of people. You know what, though? I think My dad would get along with him very well. I think that it bothers me because I don't have that. And that's maybe why it bothers you as well, because I'm jealous of that, like, just complete carefreeness of just being still. Because I feel like I have to be busy, and I equate that to, like, worth sometimes, which is dangerous. With you. Women. Women. Well, I can see how that would be annoying. I can certainly see how that would be annoying. (laughs) And and I think we all aspire to be David. (laughs) We really do. Yeah. All of us want to sort of like awaken our inner David and just let it shine. Wake up. Do do a little, uh, what are those, ayahuasca trips with your buddies and, and just become David. Yeah. That sounds great. I love it. Minus the ayahuasca. I think that's a little dangerous. But hey, we're not here to sell about that. So really quickly, I love what you just touched on. Um, I was going to bring it up. You brought it up before I did. So much of this podcast, we get so many experts on here that are, are providing a ton of content, a ton of information for our community and for the two of us. And sometimes it's a little overwhelming because you have access to so many tools but it yeah. doesn't mean it doesn't correlate to the fact that hey, I got access to these tools. I'm a good parent mm-hmm. right? or I've got access to these tools. I'm a good spouse. So I love the fact that as a doctor, as a professional, as someone who lives and embodies this stuff, the one thing you're most proud about and the one thing you touched on is that you are a parent first mm-hmm. and sometimes you get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is the coolest way to start a podcast with a doctor who is an expert in the field that we're all trying to to, uh, to aspire to be better at. <laughs> Fail better next time, right? <laughs> I think we only we only teach what we have to learn. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if I had, you know, arrived in my journey as a parent and I was like, yeah, like I know all the things, I have it all figured out that you should not trust me. You should you should not want to talk to me about child raising and parenting and any of the things because mm-hmm. I wouldn't have um, grappled with it. And it's only when we're, you know, in the dark of it that we start to make sense of the light of it. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, I feel, I feel good about the mothering that I've done 
to this point. Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, there have been so many missteps and so many challenges and it has not been a straight line. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think when we keep it real like that, um, it allows for all of us to see that there is hope in this. Right. Now you had your education before your child. (laughs) So did you come into it as a parent thinking, I've got this under control and then pop it doesn't really Just come out like that kidding but like pop <laughs> awakening and then was there was there a i would say more of a relatedness that you had a connection that you had with your patients after the fact 100% so i um i actually found out that i was pregnant at the end of my first year of my doctoral program i had not intended to be pregnant <laughs> busy yeah. So a little surprise and I was on scholarship and, and the clock was running. And I, if I stopped the clock, it meant that I would lose out on, on my various scholarships. So I decided that I would stay on the clock, take a year off to be home with my babe and then go back and finish the program in two years instead of three, mm-hmm. which I did. And I was exhausted. Um, and at that point I did have a master's degree under my belt and I had been practicing for a little while. And so I really did have that, you know, we do our best parenting before we actually have children. Mm-hmm. I, I had this idea of what it was going to be like and how it was going to feel. And then my son arrived, the delivery was a little bit shaky. Um, and I, it was like somebody had pulled the rug out from under me. Mm-hmm. My earth's axis had tilted. I uh, I think I probably in retrospect had some postpartum mm-hmm. uh, depression and it w- it was an awakening of incredible proportions and I and I really do feel like I spent probably the next 10 years working mm-hmm. to get my feet back on the ground and reestablish my confidence in myself as a mother. Mm-hmm. That's probably why it, you're so good at your job though because you really have like I find when I watch your reels and stuff, and this is something that I feel like is so amazing for like platforms, social media today, you provide so much like these little golden nuggets throughout your feed. And there, there's so much information out there, like Ryan said, but the stuff that you give for free, just like literally just in your reels, they're so impactful. I'm reading the comments and like, I just feel like those small things help parents so much and just you, you word things like in a certain way. I was actually watching this one that uh, actually I watched a billion, let's be honest. Um, but I want to talk about one specifically because it threw it threw me when you talked about being like, uh, like I'm going to go get an okay parent. But you said that there was some studies done and it was like a 30%, like as long as you have this connection with your kids and you're like 30% good at being a parent and you're like 3-0 and go. And like, you're they're good. And I was like, that is so funny because we want to be these amazing parents. And mm-hmm. then you put these, can you just speak about that? Because that was like, I loved that. Like that whole reel. I was like, yes. Hey, Ryan. Yes. You stink. Um, okay. I stink too. Don't worry. Everyone actually stinks and it's normal to have body odor just in case you needed a reminder. Okay. Thank you for that. But the best part is you don't have to stink. <laughs> just try Lumi whole body deodorant. You're right. And Lumi's powered by mandelic acid, tackling odor for 72 hours from pits to feet, even private areas. It's incredible. Over 300,000 five-star reviews, and you can literally use it everywhere. And the scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, or my personal favorite, toasted coconut, make it refreshing. 
Plus, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with code TLC at lumideodorant.com. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that's over 40% off. Stay confident from head to toe with Lumi. Try it with code TLC at lumideodorant.com. That's code TLC at L-U-M-E-D-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. Stay fresh, everyone. Guys, have you tried the new wellness shots from Good Vibes Juice? We have, and they're amazing. Perfect for boosting immunity and feeling great. Good Vibes Juice makes all-natural wellness shots with ingredients that support your immune system. And they honestly taste good. Plus, they're great to have before you feel sick or even to help you recover faster. It's like having Granny's homemade remedy, but conveniently pre-made. They have three different shots to choose from, Sick Day, Get Well, and Turmeric Daily. The Sick Day shot has echinacea and ginger, known for fighting off colds and boosting immunity. The Get Well shots feature elderberry, a superfood ingredient that helps increase immunity, and the Turmeric Daily has turmeric and chamomile. My personal favorite is the Turmeric Daily. It has turmeric and chamomile, which for me, having recently turned 40, is great for anti-inflammatory and calming properties. What's great is that these shots are all natural with no preservatives or additives. You can take them as a shot or mix them with hot water for a soothing tea. And here's the best part. Visit goodvibeswithansjuice.com and use promo code TLC to get free shipping and 20% off your first order. That's www.goodvibesjuice.com with promo code TLC. Let's boost our immunity and feel great with Good Vibes Juice. Shout out to Claritin for providing samples and sponsoring this episode. Full disclosure, I was listening to you talk the other day and I was thinking to myself, why does he sound that way? And then I remembered that it's allergy season and that's just your voice because you're so stuffed up. Ah, yes, the old allergy congested accent. Luckily for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Claritin D's fast symptom relief starts working on allergies with nasal congestion in as little as 30 minutes. Oh, perfect. So I won't have to listen to you speak like this for the next few weeks? What? You're not into it? It's not uh, not endearing? No comment. Designed for serious allergy sufferers like Ryan. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieves your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. Claritin D tackles nasal congestion caused by allergies or a cold and also relieves sinus congestion and pressure due to allergies. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. So convenient. Just ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. And remember, only use as directed. (laughs) You know, we have this idea, I think, that we have to be really incredible at all of this parenting stuff. And I often think about my grandmother, who's long since passed, but if she knew what I was up to right now, she'd be like, wait, what? (laughs) So like like you're telling the parents how to be the parents? Yeah. What is that? Right. And so if we think about it, the parenting industry of which I am a part, like it did not exist 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a crackerjack thing that we think that we all should read all the books and do all of the things. I mean, there's only two books. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She was winking if you guys. What what are the names of those two books? We're very very curious. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's interesting that that we with the advent of the parenting industry we've actually like twisted ourselves into trying to be these perfect parents and along the way have um ended up surrendering our power to parent our children mm. like we think all the time we're doing it all wrong because dr so-and-so and dr so-and-so and dr so-and-so you know have said do it this way do it that way you should be an attachment parent no you should be a this parent whatever it is and so we surrender our alpha as parents which our children need for us to have on board mm -hmm. um and i think that we end up being less confident uh, less inspired, less full of swagger than we would have had we not um, read the books in the first place. And so the idea is um, Dr. Tronic, Edward Tronic is a researcher um, uh, out of Harvard, and he developed a paradigm for looking at social relationships between parents and their children using something called the still face paradigm. And he has studied this you know, in thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of parents and their babies. And what he noticed is that in the most ideal parent-child relationships, the parent is perfectly attuned to their child only 30% of the time. Right. The rest of the time, you messed it up. You're recovering from the mess up. Oh, you messed it up again. Mm -hmm. You're recovering from the mess up. So you're sliding in and out of connection all the time. You're only really on it 30% of the time. And he said, not only is that the way it goes, that's the way it has to go. Hmm. Because otherwise kids don't, don't come to understand the fluidity of the dance that is relationship mm -hmm. as a social being. Mm -hmm. I liked, um, this kind of goes back to when you talked about like just being, you used this analogy of like, say your, your best friend comes to the door and she's bawling and you open up the door and you're like, what do I do? <laughs> and that's not like, you just have this innate, you just have this innate feeling to go and comfort them. And I think when you speak about this and parenting, it's like mm -hmm. a weird, we're like, but what do we actually do? So you're saying like it, it, it's in us, but it's almost like the, the parenting space is oversaturated with like too many, this is what you do it or X, Y, and Z will happen. Um, and do you think people just like read into that too much and then they start questioning their own instincts? Yeah. Yeah. I really do think so. I think that the more we try and script it for parents, the more you try and follow a very set uh, protocol, the more you try and make it be, you know, three steps to success is whatever, mm -hmm. the, the less you're actually going to land, which is why, um, in, in my first book, the, uh, the discipline without damage book, the motto that I put forward to parents in order to keep us all on track is see it, then feel it, then be it. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that the doing all of the things that you're going to do as a parent flows from the being. And so it's inside of you what it is that you're going to end up um, actualizing into some kind of a parenting behavior. Right. So take account of that first, which is, you know, if your best friend shows up on your doorstep sobbing inconsolably with grief, you don't go consult a manual yeah. or Dr. Google it or whatever. You just like fold your friend into your arms and you step in and you make things happen. And it's the same thing as a parent. Mm -hmm. Now, what are your thoughts on this? Because we had this conversation when we were in Vegas with, uh, with a couple friends of ours who are, who don't have, who don't have children. Uh, and they were just asking us kind of like how we parent. And I, I determined that I am 
uh, not a demanding father. I wouldn't say a demanding father. I'm certainly not an aggressive father, but I have very high expectations of my children and I treat them not as four-year-olds and eight-year-olds, but I treat them as adults in terms of my communication with them. But it's very, it comes from a very big place of expectations. Mm. Now, do you think, because I know that there's like, you talk about the alpha, right? We give up the alpha. I I just struggle with, is it alpha or is it masculinity like that I'm that I'm forcing on them? Do you think that being an assertive parent with high expectations is a negative thing? Or do you think there's a place in in this world for that kind of control? Because mm-hmm. I want my kids to be my kids, but I also want them to be good human beings. And sometimes yeah. they do stupid things and I don't <laughs> expect them to do those things. And I need to let them know that that's not acceptable. Right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I think one of the other things that has happened, and it might sound curious coming from me, given that I am a um, a gentle, conscious, attachment parenting kind of advocate. I think that there is a seedy underbelly to this new style of parenting. And the seedy underbelly is that it becomes um, inadvertently very permissive. And mm-hmm. kind of, I like to call it like, flowery meadows parenting where you just like release your children to the flowery meadows and watch them bless them. And like, it doesn't work out. Right. That that never goes well. And so um, I do think that there is a a really beautiful place for us to be thinking about how do we have expectations and boundaries and all of those things and couple that with what the research tells us about the importance of relationship as a foundation for how you parent. Um, and connect with your children. And the way that I conceptualize that is I think about it being a mountain, the parenting mountain. And if you can imagine uh, being at the peak of the mountain, everybody wants to be there as a parent because the views from the top are really spectacular. The challenge is that the slope on either side of the mountain is very steep. So you need two equal but opposite forces to hold you in place at the peak of the mountain. On the one hand, you need to be firm, which is a little bit of the energy that I'm identifying in the question that you've asked. You need to be firm and have rules and norms and boundaries and guidelines and expectations and all those kinds of things. On the other hand, you need to, at the same time, be equally intense about being kind. Mm -hmm. So it's being firm and being kind. And the kind side of the mountain is about putting the bar where your kids can jump, not too high so that they're falling on their face all the time, but not too low Mm -hmm. so that they never have a chance to kind of get into their um, stretch zone and really figure out like who they are and how it all works, that you respond with compassion when things go sideways, either, you know, because they drop the ball, they misbehave, they do something stupid, that you respond with compassion. That's the kind side. And that you reinforce the boundary. That's the firm side. In an ideal world, we all of us parents would embody that in every moment at the same time being equally balanced. The reality is, and I'd be interested to hear about it in you guys as a couple, Mm -hmm. um, most of us have a default side. Um, Flash all of us do. And if you think you don't have a default side, then you're lying. (laughs) (laughs) You a liar. I definitely have a default side. (laughs) Whatever our default side is, we 
like 99% of the time we will partner with and have babies with and raise children with somebody who is the opposite. Mm. So uh, my default side is the kind side. And my um, first husband and now second husband's default side, firm side. Mm -hmm. The challenge is that if I stay on the kind side and I don't flex my firm side enough with my children, then I end up, because now I'm not in balance, I tumble down that side of the mountain and I turn into this jellyfish parent Mm -hmm. where I'm like, ah, like I get overwhelmed and I, and I erase the boundary too frequently and I do all those things and then I get annoyed with my kids Mm -hmm. because I haven't held to what the rule was or what the expectation was on the other hand if you get too big with your firm and you don't have enough kind you roll down that side of the mountain and you actually are experienced by your child as just being kind of a mean parent um so we we all kind of you know endeavor to be inspired to flex both those things firm and kind Mm -hmm. and i think the firm it's really important. Yeah, I find I find that Brittany and I, because we are on this podcast now, we've been doing this for over two years. We get this kind of uh, advice given to us, so we we end these podcasts and we have these conversations and we say, well, how does this correlate to us, and how can we better ourselves? The one thing I will give us a lot of credit for is we balance each other out a lot. So. There's always a good cop and a bad cop and the bad cop's not always the same bad cop and the good cop's Mm. not always the same good cop. I recognize when Brittany's stressed and short-tempered and I come in with the soft approach. Um, More often than not, it's the other way around and Brittany comes in with a soft approach. My kids will even admit that. Like dad's the mean one, Um, (laughs) the forceful one. Um, but we definitely feed off each other's emotions because we are human. Brittany does have bad, long days, stressful days, Mm -hmm. and the kids are irritable during those times. Almost always. We do a good job of, um, basically like just checking each other. So like this morning was a prime example. Uh, so we just got back from Vegas and I am very tired and I have our youngest four-year-old every Monday. So it's literally like we went on two days of no sleep and I have this four-year-old who was like, I want to do all of the things. And so obviously it was a very long day. So this morning I woke up, I'm hella stressed. I'm very irritable. The kids are literally doing nothing wrong. They're just like being children and they're annoying. And so it was a lot. And I like, I was like, can you, like I snapped and I didn't like me snapping is just being like, I need a minute. Like, enough. Enough. Like get enough. I know it's my mom voice. And then Ryan, we, we do a good job of maybe taking and not in front of the kids sometimes, but we usually are like, listen, in a separate conversation, like, I know you're stressed out, but like, it's not the kids. And it just puts us in check and it's. So we try really hard not to get angry at one another. And we do say, listen, (laughs) I'm not mad at you. You're not mad at me. This isn't me, but like, this is the perspective. Um, And it really does help because it forces us to kind of just internalize, take that breath. Um, But you're right. It's, it's having that balance so that you aren't perceived as this doormat or this scary figure. Um, But I do think that like Ryan talks about, treating our children older than they are. Mm. And I find sometimes that's so good because you we're speaking to them like they're very, very good at communicating, but they think they're, they're kids at the end of the day, right? Like, mm. so treating a child and their, their, your expectations of what their reaction should be, you were like expecting them to know what to do. 
And like, that's not always the case. And do you have any like advice for parents who are like wanting their children to behave a certain way and then they don't get that reaction instead of snapping, like what would be a a different approach and like maybe a gentler approach? Because I think you just figured out our baselines yeah, (laughs) (laughs) without actually figuring it out. But like, is there anything? How can you tell Ryan to be less like this and more solid advice? I hear what she's saying. There's a lot of people who are like this. I'm sure there's a lot of people who could who could do with some advice. I'm that. ready for the advice. Okay. Um, you know, I think about the idea of developmental age and stage. And I often actually, it's funny that this is the way the question's been asked, because I often am quoted as saying that children are not tiny adults, which means that by downward extension, we cannot take the same expectations that we have of adults mm-hmm. and apply them to children. Mm-hmm. For the simple fact that the brain of a child is still coming online. Um, The frontal and prefrontal cortical regions, sort of down and in and under the forehead area, are the last part of the brain to come online that control, for example, um, a lot of the the pieces around self-regulation. So being able to manage your emotions, being able to settle yourself when you're getting frustrated about something, being able to navigate a social interaction where you have to share all of those kinds of things. You're just not capable of doing that um, Mm -hmm. individually and independently when you're really young. You become more capable around those things as you grow and as you age. So on the one hand, we do need to align our expectations with the development um, stage of the child. Otherwise, the child has this ongoing experience of failure where Mm -hmm. they're just never able to meet the expectation. Having said that, we have to be careful when we are aligning our expectations with the child's current stage of development to not undersell it. There's this thing called, in learning theory, called the zone of proximal development. Ooh, fancy. Are you all right? Pull that one out at your next cocktail party. You're welcome. Consider us experts. (laughs) The zone of proximal development is, if this is my current level um, and and I want to grow, then we want to actually put the expectation just a little bit above the current level. And the space between between current level and where we want to grow to becomes the zone of proximal development. So as parents, as teachers, as caregivers, we want to always be creating that zone for our kids that, um, you know, there's the comfort zone and then there's the stretch zone. Then there's the panic zone. We want to keep kids out of the panic zone. We want to have them spending a decent amount of time in the comfort zone And we also want them to be dabbling in the stretch zone so that they get an experience of that, that they Mm -hmm. can see themselves as capable of taking on something challenging, new, different, and landing it. Mm -hmm. I love it. Okay. So I was watching your videos because Brittany had this like unbelievable connection with you and I felt like I was going to be left out of this podcast so I started watching a lot of your videos so that I could feel the same connection that she had Um, and one of the videos you said and and I want to be careful because at the beginning of this podcast you said it's not the three steps to parenting and we don't want to get stuck in that but you do have a three-step parenting process umbrella umbrella Mm Um, but rather than talking about step three which is actually taking the action although that's important what I really got from your video is it starts with understanding self, mm-hmm. how you are the way you are and how you were parented 
and, and how you understand the things you understand needs to come first before you can even understand why your kid's having a meltdown. And then I want to talk about the meltdown itself, because in your in your story, you talk about meltdowns being a positive thing as opposed to a negative experience. So can we just touch base really quickly on understanding you to before you can become the parent you want to become? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you will parent as you were parented. It's a it's a cold, hard truth. Mm-hmm. And the environment in which you were raised formed your mind. That mind is now forming the environment around you in which your children live. Mm-hmm. So that's the inherent connection to self. And we always have to come back uh, to that foundation. I was driving my kid to band camp a few weeks ago. Uh, which meant I got two hours in the car with my 15 year old. And when you have teenagers, like basically they live behind the closed door of their bedroom. So you have to like find your moments to like mm-hmm. drive to the band trip or whatever. Cause that's when you get your time. So I'm like, Oh, yay. I'm going to have all this time with my kid. So we get in the car, we start driving and, you know, I say something about um, how was school today or like some, you know, mom question. And my son's like, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was fine. Are you okay if I put my um, AirPods in? I'm like, what? And like, there's this feeling that bubbles up in me. And I am in, incomprehensibly enraged at the idea that like, I have taken time out of my life mm-hmm. to drive you to, you know, this hellfire and gun place to go to band camp because you couldn't be on the bus because you wanted to play the rugby game. Like I did all these things. Now you don't even want to talk to me. Yeah. So this, this is all inside voice and I'm having this reaction. And then I think to myself, Vanessa, this is the wrong time (laughs) to say anything to your kid. You need to take a minute. I was like, go ahead and put your music in. And you're just crying beside him. Right? I'm like, I gave you life. You don't even want to talk to me. Have you seen the price of gas? Yeah. (laughs) I took out a new mortgage on the house to make this for you. So then I go inside and I think, okay, what's actually going on? What are the feelings? Well, I'm feeling rejected. I'm feeling less than. Maybe I'm feeling a little abandoned. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I'm feeling a little not good enough. So did my kid give me those feelings or have I had those feelings before? And have they just followed me through my lifetime to present day Hmm. in order to um, only to be reawakened because my kid now doesn't want to talk to me on this car trip. So what I'm feeling has nothing to do with my kid. It has everything to do with my life experiences. And I get to say hello to that. Hmm. So I just sit with that. And sometimes even just knowing that like he didn't make me feel that. Nobody can make me feel anything. Victor Frankl, between stimulus and response, there is a space. Right. And in that space is our power to choose. We get to choose how we're going to take this forward. So I breathe into it for a little bit. And then, you know, invariably, um, he pushes pause. He's like, oh, hey, mom, did I tell you what happened to mm. Mr. Weber at school yesterday? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Where were you five minutes ago when I was about to freak my shizzle all over you because you were not wanting to talk with me? And so it is, you know, 
realizing that we have to check in with ourselves. Anytime we're having a big reaction to our children, we think it's because of how they're behaving, but really it's coming from somewhere within us. Mm -hmm. And if we are, um, you know, in our stuff about our children's behavior, we aren't going to be able to feel for our child Mm -hmm. what's going on for them. And if we, we can't feel for them, what it is that's happening behind the behavior, it's going to put us in a really challenging spot to know how to wisely and capably step in and care for whatever it is that's going down with them. So you got, you've got you got to grow you in order to grow them. That's amazing. I honestly, as you were telling me this, I was like, I would have chosen guilt trip. I literally would have been like, oh, so bad. X, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. But had you had done that, he wouldn't maybe have felt comfortable enough just in that moment. Maybe he was thinking about something else. Maybe he didn't have the greatest day at school and whatever he was compartmentalizing. So I love that. And I want to just touch base on a very quick conversation that you and I had at, at uh, the Dove event. And you were talking, cause I think somebody asked you like, how do you stay connected with mm-hmm. your child, especially a teenager? Like we have an eight year old going on 18 and like, Jesus, take the wheel. We are very nervous. Um, she's a wonderful child, but she's a girl. So, we, and she's a girl. Yeah, and she's a girl. <laughs> so you had mentioned, I think your your son was at a party or something, and m- my instinct would be to like wait up and just like wait at the door and be ready to be like, how was it? What are you doing? Tell me all the things and blah blah blah. Can you share? I don't even know if you remember this, but what you do? I think you were like, I I'm awake. Like my, my son comes home and I'm either watching TV, I'm reading a book. And then what happens when you don't push? Can you share that story? Cause I was like, that's amazing. (laughs) You know, I think it's, um, so I, I try to just be available and David once said, it's kind of like you have to show up for work, even if you're not put to work, Mm. that's what it is to be a parent of a teenager. (laughs) And so my job in the, my job as mom to two teenage boys in the evenings um, is just to be around. I'm in the kitchen or I'm in the living room. And um, that's one particular night, my, uh, I think the night that you're referencing, Mm -hmm. my son had been out at a party and he comes home and I'm sitting on the living room couch and he walks in to say, Hey, and he realizes, you know, I think what it is, the house is quiet. Mm -hmm. And I'm right there and uh, available to him. Nobody else is around. He just sits down on the step and starts to talk. Mm -hmm. And I hear all about all of the things because I made space and created an invitation in that space for him to step in. There are other times when he's like whoop right up the stairs to bed. Um, And then that's fine too. But it's the idea of continuing to be available to the conversations and he's he's incredible i did a a live with him a little bit ago Mm -hmm. which if if you ever want an hour of really good entertainment you should track it down he's like (laughs) stuffing his face with fish and chips the whole time while we're talking as one does and we talked a lot about our relationship and how it is that I have parented. He's 18 now. So, you know, he was offering his 18-year-old insights and yeah. all of that. And we have this beautiful relationship. I I have always moved at the speed of trust with him, which means, you know, I've kind of just matched my expectations to sort of where he's at. And I've never had to have a lot of rules mm-hmm. uh, for him because um, we just go on trust. And mm-hmm. that is his currency with me and 
he endeavors to deliver. I love that. And I think like for me, I think it's going to be a matter of if I'm thinking about this and, and it's, it's a matter of not expecting if I'm throwing out an invitation to speak to Riley or our son Cooper when they're older, it's not being deterred or upset that they don't want to speak on my timeline, right? Like mm. it always show up with that invitation, regardless of if it was received during that time, doesn't mean that it's not going to be received later. Like if you just stop, they're going to be like, what the hell? Like we all are going through our own stuff, even kids. I just loved that story so much. I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that when she's older. And I'm going to be like, Vanessa told me to sit here and it'd be lovely. Yeah. I, I think about my parents and particularly my father, because my father was a very uh, fatherly figure in terms of like how I parent is probably a reflection of his parenting. Um, he was a scary dude for a lot of people, um, but he was always available. And my dad used to always say to us, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, if you can't get home safely, you call me and Mm -hmm. I will be there for you. I might not be happy, but I will be there for you. And I will say that my father extended that same offering to my friends and my friends would take my dad up on that. I would be, I'd come home and my friends would be at my house and I'd say, how'd they get here? My dad said, I'd pick them up last night. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So my parents... And when I really look at it, my family and my household was always the house that people gravitated to. We wanted to be at my house because it was welcoming and it was inviting and it was open for these kind of conversations. As scary as my dad could be, he was a football coach, right? So, um, you know, all of the guys who played for him feared for their lives on the football field, (laughs) but realized that that was actually passion and love for them. And my dad would run through a mountain for any single one of us if you're on that Mm -hmm. list. So, um, you know, I look at what you're saying and just being available and that that is the definition of my dad, my mom too, but my dad in particular. So can we briefly discuss as like a branch of that? Because yes, you're right. Your dad is like a teddy bear, but you have to get past his like exterior shell to get in. Um, can we talk about you speak specifically about emotions in boys and this whole conversation is so interesting to me and how basically from birth boys are meant to be suppressing their emotions and not being as sensitive and I was just like when I was listening to this stuff I was like this is so true and then all of a sudden later in life they're they express their emotions but they're so big because they weren't allowed to have them can you talk a little bit about that and how we can kind of nurture our boys yeah yeah you know there's some really interesting um research looking at emotionality and sensitivity Mm -hmm. in boys compared to girls. And uh, it appears that boys are actually more sensitive than girls when they're little. And the way that we socialize them is suck it up, buttercup. You got to shake it on the chin. Uh, Don't cry like a girl. You know, what did your dad say? My dad called me a pussy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And that you was heard, just normal. heard what Betty White said about pussies, right? I do. <laughs> and I, I later in life said, see that? It pays to be a pussy. <laughs> That's right. So there's this whole socialization around, um, you know, how boys are treated. And I liken it to if you were to take a beach ball 
and push it underwater and push it underwater and push it further underwater and push it further underwater. Eventually what's going to happen is that beach ball is going to come exploding through the surface. And that's what happens to a lot of our little boys. They get Mm -hmm. shut down emotionally because of how they are responded to and socialized. And then they become grownups who have a really hard time regulating their emotion and often struggle with things like explosive anger and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and so, I, you know, I think that it, it bears uh, us being very curious about the needs of all of our children, boys and girls, mm-hmm. and accepting that emotions are part of what it is to be a human, allowing for those emotions like um, a wave to be expressed Mm -hmm. is what allows them to keep moving and not get stuck. And if we could do that for all of our kids, then they have a way better shot at being healthy grownups, capable of loving relationships and all those good things. Um, Can you do us a favor and just uh, talk about, you have a a workshop or a course, right? Workshop, podcast, two books. books. We want to talk about them. We we want you just to pitch them really quickly because if anyone's listening to this podcast and there are people listening to this podcast, Mm -hmm. we might be up to 18 men now. Uh, I'm I'm (laughs) guaranteeing that there are so many golden nuggets in this conversation. They're going to want more. For sure. Awesome. So I have a couple of books, Discipline Without Damage, How to Get Your Kids to Behave Without Messing Them Up was the first one. And the second one is Parenting Right from the Start, which is a book for parents of young children. Um, I've also created a a seven-week-long discipline course for parents to do, which is available uh, online at drvenislepoint.com. Awesome thing to do with your parenting partner in order to, mm-hmm. you know, have some really interesting discussions and find yourselves um, more frequently on the same page around um, discipline. Um, and we've launched the Dr. Vanessa membership platform. So that's where uh, all the interviews that I do with interesting people are housed and um, you get access to workshops and a whole bunch of other um, things in our little online community. Perfect. Can people take the uh, parenting workshop course like whenever, or is it like a structured from this day to this day? For it's seven whenever. Months? So it's, okay. at, it's at your pace and on your schedule. It's set up to be a seven week kind of course, but you can do it um, whenever you love. Perfect. Unbelievable. Can you also just link your socials for us so people can find you? So uh, Instagram is Dr. Vanessa LaPointe, Dr. Vanessa LaPointe. Perfect. Um, uh, Facebook is Dr. V LaPointe uh, and same with Twitter. Although what is Twitter? I, I don't know. Honestly, I ask laugh Elon. at people's ask tweets, Elon. but I don't, I don't have Twitter, but I think some of them are funny. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Vanessa LaPointe with an E. Thank you so much for your time, your energy and uh, your guidance. So appreciated. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me on. Have a fabulous day. everyone. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of The Therapy Group, and hosts of The Shrink Chicks Podcast. Every week, we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, family dynamics, relationships, and burnout. Making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the psycho babble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist but don't know how and work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. 
Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow along and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Prepare to learn all about you because in order to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. Hey.